You are listening to content from Christ Our Hope Anglican Church in Fort Collins, Colorado. For more information, you can find us on the web at ChristOurHopeAnglican.org. And now, here's today's message. One of my disappointments at being out and sick last week was the interruption of our sermon series on the Holy Spirit. We've been preaching about the Holy Spirit since the beginning of Epiphany, and we, talked, we began talking about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We spent some time talking about spiritual gifts and about the significance of each member of the body of Christ, about how each of us are called to serve and build one another up. And last week, I was planning to preach on the topic of speaking in tongues and prophecy, but I didn't think it was a good idea to ask Father Tony to try to come up with a sermon on the last minute on that particular topic. Um, And still, I know it's a topic that probably many of you are curious about, um, have some interest for for many of you as to what my perspective on that is, what I would say that it means for the church. I know that some of you have experienced the gift of speaking in tongues, and others of you don't know what that feels like at all. And it certainly is a topic that tends to bring up a lot of curiosity and interest. And the same thing was true for the people at Corinth. They were very eager for manifestations of the Holy Spirit, as Paul says, um, especially those that were expressed in various miraculous signs and wonders, things like speaking in tongues. They wanted to see more of that within their church. And there's nothing wrong with being curious about those particular gifts of the Spirit. The fact that there is time in the Bible taken to discuss those topics actually tells us there's something that we should know about, and we should understand how they work in our lives to build us up. Build us up. But there is also a bit of a danger in um, these exciting and sometimes controversial topics, whether we're talking about speaking in tongues, whether we're talking about perhaps end times predictions, whether we are talking about just various controversies within theology. There's a way that we can get distracted and caught up in focusing on the things that are of less importance and then missing the things that are of the greatest importance. We can confuse interesting with important. And this is really not unique to discussions of theology. In fact, many of the modern news sites actually kind of prey upon this inherent tendency in human beings, and they'll try to make their headlines as interesting sounding as possible, even though you know that the content of the article really doesn't matter at all. They want to get your time in by drawing you in with interesting so that you focus on interesting rather than actually looking at what is important. This is a danger in our daily lives for sure, but it's even more dangerous when we're talking about our theology and our study of scriptures. While everything in God's word is worthy of serious attention, the problem comes when we allow the topics of secondary importance to distract us from the heart of the gospel. Fortunately, as we've been talking about the Holy Spirit, one of the roles of the Holy Spirit in our lives, that one of the things that he does in the church if we allow him to do so, is to keep drawing our attention back to that which is most important. Paul doesn't explicitly say that in our 1 Corinthians passage, but he would have been familiar with the teachings of Jesus that John had recorded and passed down, where Jesus said, the Holy Spirit will be constantly testifying to me. 
he will continue to point back to what I have done. And this is one of the important roles of the Holy Spirit. In fact, as Paul is entering into this passage, he wants the people of Corinth to understand that focusing on the gospel is more important than their interest in the various spiritual gifts and those miraculous manifestations of tongues and healings and miracles. What he wants them to understand and see that at the very heart of what they need to remember is what Jesus has done for them. If we turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 1 and 2, which was part of our New Testament reading this morning, it says, Now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, in which you stand, and by which you are being saved, if you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. He's reminding the church at Corinth, that for all of their interest in spiritual things, that it's not that interest in spiritual things that will ultimately save them. This is, of course, endemic in our own society. There are lots of people who have interest in spiritual things, but then they miss the heart of the gospel. It's not ultimately miraculous gifts of knowledge that they need for salvation. They don't have to have some special secret hidden knowledge in order to follow after God. It's not ultimately miracles and physical healing that they need in order to be saved. It's not speaking in tongues. Ultimately, what they need to remember that to be saved, what they need to do is cling to the good news of what Christ has done for them at the cross. To look and be, have their attention recalled to his death and his resurrection that shapes everything about their community, as it should ours as well. Above all, they and we need to remember to cling to the gospel that saves us. The content of the gospel is simple. It's laid out in verses 3 and 4 of chapter 15. For I delivered to you as of first importance that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. We proclaim this every week during our celebration at the table, that Christ has died, Christ is risen, Christ will come again. We remember his death, and we remember that it was done so that we could be saved, that it, it draws us into salvation, that this is the moment that made us a community. It's the moment that made us the church. It is the moment that we look for, that God saved us. And we proclaim that week in and week out because it is so easy for us to forget even as we say the words over and over again, there are ways in which we act in our actions as if we have forgotten the true gospel of what God has done. There are several ways that I've seen this at work in my own life and in the lives of others. There are times where, despite our talking about the gospel, we can fail to take sin seriously. Jesus died to save us from our sins. This is how seriously God took the problem of sin in our lives. The knowledge that it is sin that separates us from Him, that prevents us from having a relationship with the Father, that ultimately undermines our communities and prevents us from having healthy relationships with one another. And that yet there are times that we just kind of want to cover over certain sins and say, well, they probably aren't that important. We kind of want to divide them into the sins that matter and the sins that don't. And it's okay if I keep a hold of a handful of these as long as I don't have any of those. 
But that's not what the gospel is. The good news is that God came to free us from all sin because all sin separates us from him. And therefore, if we are going to take the gospel seriously, if we are going to be recalled to it again and again, we have to take sin seriously in our own lives. In lying to ourselves and trying to hide from that, we undermine the truth of the entire gospel. I started reading with a couple of guys, the, the brothers Karamazov, um, in this last week. And there's a section at the beginning where the Karamazov family is before a respected elder, this respected um, monk that they, they've come to be before. And he is speaking to them in the midst of their passion and specifically to one of them who has this tendency towards self-deception. And he says, he who lies to himself and listens to his own lies reaches a state in which he no longer recognizes truth, either in himself or in others. We cannot deny our sin and believe in Jesus who is the truth. If we lie to ourselves, we cannot recognize the truth. But, also, the gospel is that Christ died for your sins. He dealt with them. The other way that we take sin in the wrong way is we start to get into this habit of after we have been walking with God for some time, there are many of us who fall into the habit of thinking, well, okay, God forgave me when I entered into the faith. God has done so much for me, and now it's time for me to deal with my sin. It's time for me to take care of it and to cleanse myself. And we can hold ourselves back from God until we think we're going to clean ourselves up before we come to him. And this is not just a problem that we have at that moment of accepting the gospel. It's a problem that we come to again and again and again of thinking, I must be pure before I can go to God. And that's not how it works. That's not the gospel. The good news is that Christ is the one who has dealt with our sins, and therefore we are called to come back to him again and again and again. And when he called you initially to follow him, he knew of every sin that you would have in your life. When he called Peter to be the fisher of men on the boats, he knew then that he would deny him three times. And he called him anyway. He has called us into that relationship full well knowing that we will struggle with sin, that we will fall, that we will falter, and that you can't take care of it on your own. You can never clean your life up enough to be able to come to God as one who is pure. This is the gospel, that we are called again and again to a life of confession and repentance. Dealing seriously with sin means recognizing that I can't cleanse it out of my own heart that I must go to God again and again. And God's grace is not exhausted by your sin. His grace is so much greater. But in all of this, you also, to understand the whole gospel, need to know that the work of Christ and the gift of God's Holy Spirit means that you can have real victory over sin. So there's three ways, I think, that we can approach sin in a wrong way. First, we can just try to ignore sin or say that certain sin doesn't matter. Second, we can try to clean up the sin ourselves, thinking that somehow I can be victorious over it um, on my own. And there's another way where we sort of come to live with it as just sort of a foregone conclusion, that we just say, I know that I can't ever really change. 
I see the power that sin has over me. I see the ways that I get stuck in these cycles. And I know that the victory in sin is ultimately in Christ. And so that means I'm just going to sort of stop trying. I'm just going to let this sin have victory over me because I don't really believe I can be freed from it. But that's not the gospel either. The fact that we must confess and repent over and over again does not mean that sin inevitably controls us and there can be no growth in holiness. Christ's death and resurrection brought about real freedom from sin. And we can and should grow ever more into His likeness. This is the gospel that we have been adopted as sons and daughters of Christ through of God through what Christ has done that we are he is not ashamed to call us brothers and sisters and that the holiness in our life through the work of the Holy Spirit can and will grow and we can have real victory over sin but we cannot do so on our own we keep coming back to him and we confess and we repent and we walk in holiness And we understand that this is the life to which we are called throughout our entire Christian life, not just at a moment of conversion, but always we look to the gospel and we come back to it again and again and again. And Paul explains in this passage that when we say that Christ died for our sins, that it is the resurrection of Christ that is proof that that sacrifice for sins was effective. It is the vindication of Christ's righteousness. It is the promise that the death that he had was effective and actually saves us. Next week, we'll focus longer on the resurrection and we'll point to how that actually gives us real and true hope. But this is the good news that we have received. And there's nothing more important than that we return to it again and again and again. Christ has died for your sins. And Christ rose to show that that death was effective, that he was victorious over sin, and it no longer has a hold on you if you are following after him. Paul makes it absolutely clear in this passage and throughout the entire Gospels and the New Testament, it's it's clear that we never outgrow this gospel. We never outgrow the message that Christ has died for our sins, and he rose again to show that victory. In verses 1 and 2, if we return back to those for a second, the, I'm going to do some nerd language things here and say the tenses of the verbs here actually help us to understand in greater depth the continuation of the gospel throughout our entire Christian life. In the first couple of verbs that it has in here, I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel that I preach to you and which you received. I preached and you received are in just the simple past tense. They're things that have happened in our past. We can look back and many of us can actually point to and remember the moment where we heard the gospel proclaimed to us and we received it and we accepted it as something that we knew was true, not just in an abstract sense, but that was true in your very own life. And I know that for some of you who have perhaps grew up, grew up in the church, um, there are, may not be a specific moment that you can point to and say, well, this is where it happened. But you can still point to the past and see, like, I can see in my life that there was a gospel that was preached to me and I received it. I accepted it. And I know that it is mine. But there are other verbs in here, too. The in which you stand is a verb in the perfect tense. And if you haven't been in 
English class for a long time, you probably have forgotten what that means. But particularly in the Greek, when things are in the perfect tense, it means it's something that happened in the past, but it has an ongoing present effect. You chose at some point to stand in the gospel, and the idea is you haven't left that. That decision to stand in the gospel has ongoing importance for you now. You continue to stand in the gospel. You made the decision to stand there, and now you are going to stand firm. You must continue to make sure that your stance is in the gospel, not in anything else. There is nothing else that provides a firm foundation for you to stand upon. There is nothing else that will hold you up in those times where you are struggling. There is nothing else that will give you hope in the midst of despair. You stand in the gospel. And this is part of the good news, that this is our ongoing life in Christ. We continue to stand in that gospel in which we initially received. Then it doesn't cease to work in us either. The next phrase in there talks about the gospel by which you are being saved. This is a present verb. This is something that's happening right now. It's not that the gospel was something that saved you and then that was done in the past. You are being saved by the gospel, but it's also a passive verb, it's a, which means that it's not something where it's me who is saving myself through the gospel. When you have a passive that shows up like this in a list of otherwise active verbs, usually what it means in the New Testament is it's something that God is doing. It's something that God is doing to me. This is actually at the heart of the gospel, that the gospel is something that God is saving us through the gospel. We are being saved right now. We are like those who were on the ark during the time of Noah that are carried through the flood. While they were in the ark, they were being saved. And here, when we gather together, we remember our hope each and every week that we are being saved by the gospel, by what Christ has done. Though we are not the ones who save ourselves, though we cannot ever save ourselves, we do have an ongoing role in what is being done as well. The, other, the next phrase is that it says that um, if you hold fast to the word I preach to you, and hold fast is present and active. This is why I say that we must cling to the gospel which saves us. This is Paul's whole point of this passage, is that the gospel saves you. God saves you through what Christ has done. Cling to that and nothing else. Anything else that you cling to, whether it's your own morality, whether it's just a a sort of good feelings, whether it's trying to get rid of guilt and feelings of shame that you have by, by sort of just denying the reality of sin, none of that is good enough to save you. Cling to the gospel which saves you. This is the life that we are called to as a church. This is the life that we are called to in Christ. Cling to the gospel which saves you. I mentioned a couple weeks ago, I think the last time I was here, that I had read about and participated in conversations about the board game of Go. So in January, I reread a book that, um, about the game that I uh, had read before, but it's uh, called Lessons in the Fundamentals of Go. And in it, the author says um, something that is true of Go, but true of many other subjects as well. He says, when a beginner learns the game, the first thing he should learn are the fundamental skills. When he advances to the point where he begins to think of himself as a strong player, the thing he needs to do to become even stronger is to go back and study the fundamentals once more. This is true whether you're talking about the game of Go, whether you're talking about 
tennis or basketball, whether you're talking about being a musician, that over and over again, as we grow stronger, we have to return to the fundamentals. We have to understand that we never grow to a point where we can just say, I'm done with the fundamentals and I can leave that behind me. This is true of the gospel. This is true of our life in Christ. There is never a point where the fundamentals of the gospel are left behind us so that we can move up into higher things, so that we can have greater forms of prayer and leave behind the basic sense of the gospel so that we can grow in forms of holiness and service and leave behind the basic forms of the gospel. There is never a time where that happens. We are called again and again to remember the gospel, the fundamentals by which we are being saved, and to cling to the gospel. If you're here today or if you're joining us online, and you've somehow never really received this word, if you've somehow heard this and never really accepted it as your own, the understanding that it is Christ who died for you. He died for your sins so that you can be restored into a relationship with God, so that you can have eternal life, so that you can have victory forever. Then I encourage you, hear it now. Receive it now. Trust in faith that it is God who saves you. Through Jesus Christ, there is no other way. There's no shame in finding out that you've been listening to the word for a long time, but never really accepted it as your own. Jesus makes it really clear in his parables and his way that he went about his entire ministry that there were many who thought that they were saved. And he calls them to himself and says, now, really, truly, follow after me. Really, truly, receive the grace of the Father. And the angels rejoice over you. We will rejoice too. If this is where you find yourself today for some reason and you're here in this group, then come talk to me or talk to one of our prayer ministers at our time of prayer. Don't keep it hidden in your heart that you're receiving the gospel. Speak it out loud so that others may rejoice with you in the good news of what God has done. Paul himself in this passage was one who said he came to the gospel, he came to believe after the other apostles as one untimely born. He points to the fact that he was later, that he was persecuting the church until God confronted him. And he said, yet still I believed And still it was the grace of God that called me to himself. And now I cling and I hold to the gospel that saves me. If you have believed the gospel, if this is something where you can look back to that moment in your life where you receive the word and you know it to be true for you, that Christ died for your sins in particular, remind yourself of that. Return to your first love. Understand that of everything else that we talk about, that there is nothing more important than believing in this fundamental good news that Christ died for your sins and that his resurrection proves his victory. And you are really and truly free. You are really and truly returned to peace. God's grace really and truly is poured out upon you. Return to it. Know it in your heart. Live it in the way that you proclaim with joy what God has done. 
when we worship, sing because of what Christ has done for you. When you leave this place, tell others what God has done for you. Remember how good the good news is and cling to the gospel that saves you. There is nothing else on heaven or on earth but Jesus Christ and the glory of the Father and the gift of the Spirit. There is nothing, no other way to be saved than the name of Jesus. And every one of us, whether this is something that is settling into your heart for the first time right now, or whether this is something that you have tried to walk in every day of your life that you can remember. When we believe, we find that it was the grace of God that drew us to himself, and that that grace is not in vain. This is the call that we have as a church. This is a call that we have as the people of God. We will proclaim the good news of what God has done for us through Jesus Christ, our Lord, because that is the only way that we are saved. Let us cling to the gospel that saves us. This sermon is an audio ministry from Christ Our Hope Anglican Church in Fort Collins, Colorado. If you are in the area and would like to learn more about how you can worship with us in person or online, please visit us on the web at www.christourhopeanglican.org.